You're listening to El Yoshi Did It Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Thanks for listening to a new episode of Yoshi Den. I'm back, Glendale, California, with my friend Chris Neff and Dustin Torres. Dustin, uh, good to uh, be here. I will um, give you a chance to talk uh, later on, but it was it's good seeing you. And uh, we're I'm back. Uh, you know, Chris, you let me stay here last year for a little bit. I yeah, really, I was, really appreciate it. A year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were, you were kind enough to let me stay when I was having a hard time. I was kind of left you stay in my hotel room while I was trying to fuck a woman in Sweden. And you fucked that up, remember? What that, about <laughs> that hotel that was like being inside of an airplane, remember? Oh, yeah. And wh- what happened? I don't I remember. I was trying to fuck a woman, and you wanted to sleep. Oh, <laughs> and film it. <laughs> right. Well, it's Swedish erotica, right? Right. Um, no, but I mean, we I was coked up, and I think we got 45 minutes of sleep. But it's the smallest, shittiest hotel room I've ever been in in my life. And it was like you were in the lavatory yeah. of an airplane. Remember it? Like the walls were plastic, that plastic, you know, for mica shit. Were you able to get hard? <laughs> not, not with Yoshi in the room. It, 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 it was, well, let me, um, um, I want to dedicate this, it's really bizarre the way we, I, I'd like to dedicate this episode to um, Kathy, who uh, um, owns a, a very unique uh, movie theater up in St. Helena, Napa Valley, uh, Camille Cinema, and um, it's a single screen theater in Napa Valley, and uh, they put a tremendous amount of effort providing a great customer service, and they have people's like, is this a sponsor? Or did you bang this chick? And no, no, no. She's, she's, she's my friend's mom. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, yes, uh, Camille Cinema. Cinema. <laughs> Would you shut up? Sorry. St. Helena, Napa Valley. And um, they, were, they were just tremendous. They're, they were very kind to me. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them hopefully soon. So, Chris, we're I'm, I'm back in Glendale, which is uh, a lot of Armenians uh, living in Glendale, California. You think? Yes. Well, a lot. I have a listeners outside of the country, so they don't. They wouldn't know. Oh, they don't know. They don't. So that, that so Glendale is the Armenian capital. Don't listen to yeah, yeah, <laughs> of Los Angeles. So like, so I, I kind of have to remind people like where we're at, where we at, like right. because I can't assume everyone, you know. Uh, well, basically, think of Hollywood and go seven point six miles east from yeah. Sunset and La Brea, and that's where we're at. And. We're watching baseball, which probably 80% of uh, people outside of that country probably don't care. No, nope, because uh, it's skins in Dallas right now, too. Mm, we can go back and forth. Sure. So um, 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 before we jump into your story, we're watching Detroit Tigers playing Boston Red Sox, and Detroit's winning. And um, nothing against Boston, but the city of Detroit needs a lot of help. I want something to give them a good news, and I hope uh, they have a chance to go to World Series again. I just, I'm rooting for Jim Leland because yeah, he deserves uh, it. He, um, he smokes a lot cigarettes and yeah. drank... Uh, cherry Coke. Uh, cherry Coke. So, anyway, Chris, th- thanks for doing this. I haven't seen you... You know, we, I think we've been playing a lot of phone tag. We have. Yeah. Well, you're always in and out of L.A., and so yeah. am I'm I. homeless. That's a nice You're homeless, of, right. Homeless. It's a nice way of saying you fucking uh, live out of your car. Uh, but yeah, it's nice that we finally get to hook up because it's you know, when I'm gone, you're gone, and vice versa. So. Yeah, and I, I definitely wanna, I wanna, of course, record 
this so I have a chance to talk to you and uh, promote your new album. Which oh, thank well. you for doing that, man. Let's let's talk about your quickly. What's your new new album name? The new album is called Curse of the Drinking Class, and the release date is November 9, two thousand thirteen. And we're gonna do uh, a release party uh, at Sal's Comedy Hall. Okay. It's since it's been renovated. I don't know if you know if you've been down there. Well, where's South Comedy Club? It's what? on Melrose. I want to say Melrose and Fuller, but it'll be the late show. Okay. Yeah, it'll be the late show that night, and it'll be like nine thirty. I'm guessing till close, so you okay. can come out, get drunk, and cab home. And if you haven't gathered by now, Chris is a very funny comic. We uh, oh, thanks, we man. work overseas together, and um, um, we're going to talk a couple of uh, subject matters. So. Oh, tell them, do you have a website for your album, too? Well, yeah, it'll be for sale for purchase at chrisneff.com. Uh, How do you spell that? Make sure people know. Yoshi. <laughs> Chris, what do you, what are you, like a fag at Starbucks asking me if I spell I'm my name with a C or a K? I'm to talk more. Okay. So. C-H-R-I-S, the straight way. Yes. Neff, N-E-F-F dot com. It'll All right. Be, you can buy it there and the usual suspects like Amazon and iTunes, and um, I do want to mention this because this is very important. I'm going to do a little different release strategy, mm-hmm. and I don't want anybody stealing it, but whatever, you got a month. Uh, it will be free to anybody that is a comedian. Sure. So, because uh, I thought about this, yeah. and I mean, I don't listen to comedy. I listened to comedy when I started, Yeah. and then working with a bunch of comedians lately, they're always like, oh, have you heard this? You heard that? And I don't listen to comedians just because I don't want anything in my head when sure. I write and work. But I realize... By, by the way, that's, that's a Jim Norton school of comedy. Oh, it is? Yeah he, he, yeah, he refused. And there's others like Joe Rogan say he doesn't have a problem listening to other people be inspired by it. So it's yeah. two different schools of You thought. know where I got it actually mm-hmm. was... I mean, he was really big in Vegas back in the day, and he said, I never listen to comedians, nor should you. He said, what's the point? Yeah, I got it. I got it from the idea in my head anyway, because I, I realized I don't listen to com- comedy. Sure. I did when I started and had my inspirations, you know, like Bill Hicks and obviously like Doug Stanhope and Rogan. Right. Guys like that. And I listened to that, and then I just said, okay, I think I know what I want to do. Right. And then I just went to work. And uh, the the musician Ryan Adams, not Brian, this is a lot of complication, a lot of people. Ryan Adams, I read in an interview where he's alt-country, and he says, I only listen to rap when I work because he doesn't want to be influenced. Sure. So I've kind of always been in that zone. Okay. Yeah. It's real hard, too, when you're on the road and you're with a comic, and they're like, let's listen to eight hours of Raw Dog or Sirius, and you're like, dude, can we shut this the fuck up? Yeah, Yeah. So, but going, uh, what was the question about the album? So, no, no, um, now you answered it. I mean, oh, I did. Where, where, where they could get it. Oh, yeah, yeah my yeah. point is is that as a comic, mm-hmm. I realize I never pay for fucking comedians' albums. Sure. And, you know, it's even harder when you run into somebody and they assume that you want them to pay for your, their album, you're a comedian. So I always give shit away. Uh, so my idea is if you're a comic, all you got to do is send me an email, tell me your, your name, just be honest. If you're a comedian, it doesn't matter yeah. if you're an open micer. Doesn't matter if you're a headliner. Sure. I will give you a digital download code, and you can get it for free. Unless you want a hard copy, and then you can fucking pay for it. And sure. I'll sign it, and we're good. So that's why, why, why did you say you copied? Because I've never heard anybody do that before. What do you mean? What like, I'm doing? Giving comedians free copy. Oh, I, I, I'm not copying it. Okay, that's what I'm I saying. It's, it, it's an idea that I had mm-hmm. because 
I like I said, I don't buy comedy albums, even sure. from people I look up to. I'm cheap and I'm a comedian, and it's kind of like that whole thing. Like when you go to a comedy club, you should get in for free, absolutely, because you're a comic. So you should have my album for free. That's the I, way I, I look do, at it. I do make exceptions sometimes because if you can get a free ticket, okay. I, there's few people I will pay twice. Like I've Ricky only Gervais paid. or Seinfeld or something. I've only paid twice. I wouldn't yeah. pay for Seinfeld or Ricky Gervais. Uh, I paid for uh, Doug Stanhope sure. years ago. And then I paid to see Doug and Joe when they were at the Welter like a year ago. Those oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are only two comedy what, what, shows. Was that the end of the world tour? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember, it was the t- my, uh, my, my calendar. Bullshit. But yeah, those are the only two I can recall ever paying for. So, Chris, I know you have to go soon. I, I no, we're co- in no hurry. Okay, we, we, we want to cover like you know a couple of these things, but... Um, um, I, I know you're a funny guy, and there's Thanks, no, there's nothing like I mean nothing. I, I wouldn't have pick you, pick you to be on my show without it. So I just want to kind of jump in because I I have question about certain things. Okay. So uh, uh, we're watching baseball. Oh, yeah. it's out of there! Boom, bitches! Suck it, you chowderheads! Wow, Detroit is uh, four. Um, is that four zero or five zero? Well, I'll tell you what. They were plus one ten, and I put twenty five. 25 bucks on Detroit, so I'm thrilled. Cool. Uh, Sorry. I, no, no, I, I do want Detroit to win because, I, like I said, they need something to inspire the country. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have those Chrysler commercials, too, that are very. That's all they got. Eminem and cars. <laughs> Testing. I have to say, you remind me of my ex-boss, Chris Norman, at the uh, Evil Angel Porn Company. Anyway. Why? Because he's got his dick in his hand right now? Or are you trying to do your job? <laughs> so, Chris, I, I, I don't want to get in detail, but recently think <laughs> personal stuff happened in my life. So I, I would like to know more about drugs and addiction and things like that. And I'm not saying you're addicted. You're not. But right. um, you, you're familiar with that culture. So Yeah. Well, so, obviously, because I've kept you up at night in hotel rooms saying, uh, dude, I'm going to do one more line of coke. And you're like, dude, just let me go to bed. Yeah. Just let me go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I have. And I'm not judging you. I'm no, not, I know. I, I, I know. Not, I don't judge anyone. I know. It, but it, I know how it is. I prefer you wouldn't do that. Right. As I, I, I say, I prefer you wouldn't do coke as I look at the picture of Tony Montana in your room. Right. <laughs> you know, I found <laughs> that yeah, it's like full size, too. It's life size Montana. So... Well, t- t- tell me because I'm 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 so ignorant about the whole drug. How did how did when did you start? I'm I'm really fascinated. When did I start doing what any drugs? drugs? Period. How did it? Well, I mean, you didn't start with coke on the first day. No, no, no. no. I st- well, I didn't even smoke pot in high school. I barely drank in high school, mm. and then I went to college, and I was in New York City, and then. Uh, well, originally you're from Idaho. Yeah, right? I grew up okay. in Boise, and you went to New York City. Yeah, I went to Fordham University. And that's a big shock, isn't it? Because you don't, you, Boise is a very small town relative to New Yo, York City. Relatively yeah. speaking, yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I just used recreationally Coke. What, 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 okay, so you, you should start with Coke. Well, I mean, I, I, could, I tell people this. I could probably count the number of times I've smoked pot on all my 10 fingers and 10 toes. Sure. But it's probably more than that. But I, I'm not a pothead. I can't do it. My brain chemistry doesn't work okay. with it. Uh, I feel the hangover from pot is worse for me than coke or alcohol the next day. So it, it's it's not something I can function on. You, you know, know, you know, in sports they always say matchup is a big factor. Like yeah. sometimes you have the best team, but somehow they have one particular team that's not that good, but right. they just have a problem. Right. So is that like a 
I'm always fascinated like, why some people will pick certain drug over another. It's kind of like it just it matched well with you. Well, there's Cole. no doubt that I mean, there's I mean, it's uh, you're co- if you're a cokehead, yeah, you're, you're doing hard drugs. Sure, everybody knows pots never killed anybody. Sure, but the problem is, is it kills my brain cells and I can't function. Whereas and like, coke doesn't do that. No, not okay. at all. I mean, it fucks. It's, it's a lot of fun. Coke is a lot of fun. <laughs> I suggest doing it. If don't do it every day. This is somebody who's been on a bender for eight days in a row. No, How many days no, in a row? Have I you did done it coke? a few days in a row. Here's the thing: eight. It's you did like it eight. playing pool. You got to do it for a week. Don't play one game. Don't be a faggot. Right. Just do it for a week. Get out of your system. But it's fun. Just don't do too much at a time. Right. That's the problem. Why I quit? I was doing too much at a time. So. So when you used to coke first time, what what, what was the circumstance and 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 did you like it? Right away? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was instantaneous. It's euphoria. It's, it's a different high. It's not like a, a, a body high, you know, or, you know, like an introspective high, like uh, marijuana. You sure. want to talk about your strains and everything. It's just euphoria, you know, and it doesn't last long. And then you want more, and then you want more. And then the problem is, of course, you come down and you feel like fucking jumping off a building. So you do feel depressed? Oh, God, yes. It's not even depressed. It's, I want this to end immediately. I think exercise of the mind the depression though because getting over it not killing yourself it just makes you stronger that's it whenever you need to just tap tap my arm because right. <laughs> they will hear partially what you're saying without a mic so no no that's fine i don't mind you talk um so so you never had an addiction problem with no I, I definitely did a so, huge addiction so what went to when what years um I was i i was addicted mainly i think after i got out of college because i was so depressed sure why uh, were you depressed? Because I'd moved to L.A. I was in a new city. Sure. Didn't know anybody. And uh, I didn't... I, I, when I first got here, I was waiting tables. You know, yeah. I came here and I had $135 in my pocket. Sure. And I spent it all on uh, drinks one night at the backstage. I think I had $8 left. I went to Smart and Final and bought a case of beer. Yeah. And then we'd go to uh, Del Taco and buy Taco Tuesdays and eat them all through Thursday. And by Thursday, the lettuce was brown. Sure. But, yeah, I didn't know anybody, and I just felt... I Wait, think what I, year was that? That would have been 2000, ni- 1999, 1999. Okay, so you got here four years before I did. Okay. Yeah, and then I started comedy out here. I didn't do comedy in New York. And then, yeah, I think I just ran with the wrong crowd for a long time, but then I also had a five-year period of sobriety, mm-hmm. you know, nothing. And then I had... Well, that, I, so, uh, that's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you didn't go counseling? You didn't go uh, uh, counseling? rehab? No, I just went to AA. Hey, hey. Yeah. So wh- why is it that some people could do it like yourself and others, even with all the rehab shit, they just can't get out of it? Well, what's Because, well, I mean, honestly, because I witnessed this recently, because it's that whole light switch thing. You know, somebody can have one drink mm-hmm. and be totally fine. And then number two, they're, they're in a blackout. Yeah. You know, or if they're doing coke, they're in the gutter. They're selling their mattress to get high. I've always been a highly functioning drug user. Do you know what I mean? The rent's paid. Okay, uh, it, there's. I'm not in debt. You know, I'm highly functioning. I guess is my point. No, Even no, when no, I was, no, I, I, I agree with you. But when, when I'm, I don't want the names, but I'm, I'm 44 years old, and I right. probably had like three dozen times when somebody that I like and my, some of my friends, when they when they ask me, you wanted some line of coke or something, it sh- always shocks me because I never thought any of them were using it, and me, I'm still a little intimidated going bar to order hard liquor. You know, like I, j- I just don't feel that adult-ish. Right. So when somebody offered me coke or something, I, I you know, it's not like a moral thing. Like, right? I, didn't I j- you didn't you do coke with me once? No, no. I, uh, 
Only time I used, I used Coke one time about a year and a half, two years ago, I had to drive a group of Japanese people to Vegas. Uh-huh. And I had a massive toothache. When I got in Vegas, and the whole time I pretended like everything was okay, except my tooth was fucking killing me. I was ready to like, I was. I wanted to cry. Right. And I didn't have access to painkiller or right. marijuana, nothing. So and you my, went my, with the old local my, anesthetic. My friend had a Coke and I did it. It really didn't do anything. Do you want to do some right now? No, that's okay. <laughs> like I say, I don't judge it. I think it should be legalized. Right. But it's just not. It's just not for me. I, I, I don't really. Right. It's not for me either. It used to be, but I got to the point where I, I can't. I, I can't I live think that I, way. I think I'm a mean. I can be a mean drunk, and I think right. if I was in coke, I think I'd be more violent. Right. You know. That makes sense. See, my problem is I would get completely coked up and then just lock myself in a room. And then get on the internet and have like 48 conversations on Facebook. Sure. With, you know, different people throughout the world or the internet. Yeah, hookers. <laughs> and, uh, no, I'm, and, you know, and then it would be 10 a.m. the next day. And then, oh, you got to get, get to work or you got to do this. And then you, you function with two hours sure. of sleep. And I got tired of that. You know, I got burnt the fuck out. Yeah. So, and then I had a seizure too. So it was also. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so don't, don't cross over like that's not interesting. What do you mean? When, okay, when did you have a seizure? I had what, a what age? I, you never told me that. Well, I'm an epileptic. Yeah. You, you, I didn't, did you know that? Does that mean you're gay? <laughs> no. Uh, I'm an epileptic. No, you never, you never told me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because you know what? I it was in remission because I, I had seizures when I was in first grade and uh, I, they put me Wait, on medication. Did, did you inherit from the, is there family members with it? Or no, you, just me. So I had a multiple seizures when I was in elementary school. Okay. And then I was on medication all through high school. And then I went to college. Wait, so, but, but stop. What was, when it happened, do you remember when it happened first time? Oh, yeah. I'll do exactly what I was doing. I want to know exactly what Okay, happened. the first time I was in first grade. By the grade, way, by, by the, uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky, the Russian uh, uh, novelist. novelist, he had epilepsy. Uh -huh. He always said, Few moments before he had an epileptic experience, he said he experienced God and, and meet with God. So it's called an aura. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I so that's not a bullshit. No, 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 no. You 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 feel like you're outside of yourself, looking down at yourself. You feel like you're, uh, you know, and then it's an out of body experience, and it literally feels like what I would tell people is I can't hang on. People that have heard me had seizures say, "Help me, I can't hold on, I can't hold on." Yeah. And then when I when I have a seizure, I just try and go to the ground. So I don't flop like a fish and end up with fucking you know welts on my face. But but you're when it happened when you were first grade. What, what, did it happen in school? No, I was on my way to school. Okay. And I was wearing my brown penny loafers with pennies in them, mm -hmm. and my brother was behind me a block, and he said I started doing the moonwalk, and then I just face planted, and then woke up in the hospital. So do you remember? So when when it was happening, what what do you think it was I, happening? I think I was just doing the moonwalk because it was the cool thing to do. Did you panic? I don't I don't remember it. I don't remember what happened before. I don't. I only remember my, my late stage seizures when I was, you know, mm -hmm. out of adolescence, more young adult, because they're more, they're just more vivid. So, how long? Do, I mean, do you? So, do you know? You know how animals uh, react a little before earthquake? Yeah, yeah. Do you do you have a feeling like oh shit? It's yes, coming. yes. You do. You do. Yes, know? that's what I'm talking about. You get really. I got. I had one too. You get really cold. And you just, I felt really cold and then I started shaking and then I was just out of it and woke up to an ambulance and it was just like, you f I felt like, like he said, you kind of felt like you were outside of yourself. Yeah. Well, wait, 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 hold on. So that's, you had an epileptic? Like no, I, I'm hypoglycemic and I used to pass out all the time. As well. I used to pass out all the time as well, but we had been partying pretty hard for two days 
got up at seven, started filming. I didn't eat. So the whole blood sugar mixed with the drugs and the whiskey and everything else just, I think, just sent me into a fucking spiral. And I was flopping on the fish like a epic Faith No More video. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let, let Chris, I want to say, so you, you experienced it and... I mean, I'm sure, well, what was your family's reaction when as a kid? Oh, they were fucking freaked out, you know. Uh, but, I mean, it's, you know, it's a shitty feeling because you're helpless, obviously. And you get on medication and you, you control it. And yeah. then, you know, they put you through all these tests, EKGs. That's when they have the, mm -hmm. the, the strobe lights. I can't be around strobe lights, I'll tell you that right now, because that'll definitely get me going. There was uh, this animated series from Japan. They were airing on Adult Swim or something, I think, right. if I remember, like 10 years ago. And they, they were flashing like that, and kids who were watching it had, a, like, oh, yeah. strokes. Well, that's what they do when they, when they give you an EKG is they basically are trying to instigate a seizure in your brain. And they're, they're, they're measuring your brain activity. So when you do that, they're monitoring everything kind of like a, uh, whatever, just on a, a graph machine. Mm -hmm. And they can see the spikes, and they're creating little seizures in your head. Wait, so this visual color thing triggers? Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. the connection with your brain? With the, okay. because I, well, as far as I know, it's just the electricity in your brain, the electromagnetic whatever shit in your brain. But all I know is I have a left temporal issue. Mm -hmm. Left. Uh, or may, Yeah. But it's in the front part of my brain where my activity is really severe. So. I didn't know that, Chris. Well, you know why? Is because I hadn't had a seizure since 1995 until last January. So I was seizure-free for 17 years. Right. And then all of a sudden, just boom, out of the blue and gone. Well, so w w the last one that happened last year, what was the circumstance? Uh, I was at a friend's house. Yeah. And uh, I was downstairs and came down and I was flopping around. So... So you, you, you don't know what triggered that time? No, well, I, I absolutely don't because they did a, a talk screen on me. I woke yeah. up in Sherman Oaks Hospital. They did a talk screen on me. I was totally clean. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't drugs or alcohol or anything like that. It was just the, the perfect storm goes off in your head. It's, you don't know when it's going to happen. And it happened, and I wasn't under the influence. Uh, you know, it was like 1230 in the afternoon. Thank God you weren't driving or something. Well, man. yeah, and see, that's my fear. And they took my license away. They, they said did? That, well, they said they did. I woke up in the hospital, and they're like, we, we've contacted DMV. Uh, your license has been revoked, and uh, you have to go to a neurologist, get cleared, yeah. and then we'll give you your driver's license. So at this time, I didn't have health insurance, so I pony up uh, California's PCIP, which is pre-existing con condition insurance. Sure. I get this coverage, go to a, a doctor, yeah. get a release, and then I check the DMV, and I was like, I got to schedule an appointment, and I was like, to go get my license back. And I just randomly said there was a sign that said check the status of your driver's license. And I was like, shit, why didn't I do this six months ago? Because mm -hmm. I had people drive me around. And I would just check the status and it was clear. So they never even, the, the fucking people at the hospital never even reported that I had a seizure. And for those of you who never visit California, especially in Los Angeles, not having a driver's license, it, it, it's very difficult to live here. Dustin doesn't have one. He makes it. Well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> exception to the rule. Yeah, but so I mean, why? Why? That was the point in my head where I'm like, I can't do drugs anymore. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, I'm dealing with a ticking time bomb in my head. Sure. And it, it, it's cocaine is not the drug that I should be fucking around with. So I quit. And uh, I think, uh, and, but that, that's the part. I, I don't understand why some people just cannot quit 
and you made a decision. To well, I it. didn't tell you the rest of the story. I had oh. a relapse. Okay. <laughs> now, so how uh, many how many times? Um, well, I, I can't say I quit immediately after that. I I I, I connected. Uh, I wish you could give me equivalent of what that that is. And um, uh, my my friend Steve Spick one time explained to me how Steve Spick Spicked. Oh, Spicked. Thank God. That'd be um, a hell of a name to grow up with. He uh, he told me. I asked him why is it so difficult to quit smoking, and he told me just imagine if you have to quit uh, masturbating for the rest of your life. And right. Like, wow, that is very difficult. Right. So. Um, well, just to go back, though, it was I knew in my brain after I had the seizure that mm-hmm. I couldn't fuck around with drugs anymore, and I continued to. Mm-hmm. But I also had a breakthrough with uh, that I, re- I made a realization that I was using drugs, uh, especially cocaine, mm-hmm. to deal with my brother's death. Yeah. And I made that connection, and then I realized, okay, how am I going to quit? I thought I was going to be up against the mountain trying to quit coke. And then... I made that realization, the connection, and there was no desire to do it anymore yeah. until this chick broke my heart. Yeah, I don't, I I, 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 I don't want to sound corny, but I'm sure yeah. your brother probably don't want you to. Oh, do of course it, not. You know, of course know. not. Um, so, but that's it. Wasn't like I'm sitting here climbing the walls, saying, "God, I need to go get high." It was just over. Yeah. You know what? And I kind of felt like maybe I just mellowed with age, but you know, I'm 38, and you know, I don't want to fucking die. Yeah. Flopping around from a cocaine-induced seizure, so I just I hung it up. And I, I can still be around it. I was around it all week. People just blasting lines. And the thing that makes it easier to quit is mm-hmm. looking at those people the next morning and realizing that you used to be in that yeah. amount of pain. Because the hangover is the worst. Did you, did you get into any other drugs besides Coke and marijuana? Uh, I mean, I've done so much Coke. I know I've done, done meth just because it's cut. But I never did heroin. Um, I never did. Uh, I never intentionally use crystal meth because mm-hmm. it's just fucking. That's what scumbags do. That's what dirt dirtbags do. Guys that can't afford coke do meth and whippets. Oh yeah, we did whippets in college. You could buy them on the street in college. So, so can can you explain to me because I I uh, I don't want to get into detail because yeah. the, I don't want to mention names, but. There must have been incidents where when you're trying to purchase coke, right. p- perhaps a problems arise. Oh, yeah. Getting ripped up and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, how long did it take you before you realized how to buy not getting ripped up? I because got a good dealer. I got a dealer that not only uh, sold decent coke, although mm-hmm. Dustin will debate me on this because he says it's not very good. The point is he shows up at my door. I don't have to go meet him anywhere sure. in a dark alley. He shows up. I walk out of my building. Boom, in and out. So there's no, there was no like... Oh shit! What am I going to get into? Am I worried about getting busted? It, 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 I never had that fear. Is, is is was race ever a factor when you tried to purchase drugs? No, I was like, this guy's a fucking dope or dope slinger, and he's black. He's probably good at what he does. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. um, I I traveled the south recently, and my friend were having a difficult time and needed drugs to, to find it to calm them down, and um, and you know. I guess different cities. You know, if you don't, if you don't know people, sure, it's very hard. And tendency, are they, we got ripped off. Right. I, I didn't need that shit. You know? I got ripped off uh, in Sweden. <laughs> I got, weren't you there or Denmark? Maybe. Yeah. I don't remember this story. So, um, Chris will always talk about Scandinavia because we tour together. Yeah. But so, what's it? What's the big difference between buying drugs in states and buying drugs in Scandinavia? In Scandinavia, well, Scandinavia, the shit. In in uh, in America, they're good. I mean, you only have to go from Colombia to Mexico, so you're not getting stomped on that many times. But over there, 
it's five times the cost, and it's and it's terrible. Five percent of the quality. Um. Yeah, so you're you're literally. I remember doing some coke in I think it was Copenhagen. No, it was Sweden. And my Stockholm nose bled. Did. My nose bled for three days straight. You know. And what? Why? Why? Uh, because it was just shards of gasoline or cra- it was it wasn't coke. You know, it wasn't powder, but it was told. We, hey, this is coke. I mean, it was probably meth. I'm guessing. But you know, it. W- I think it was a gram of coke. There was a hundred and sixty bucks. Well, what is it here? Forty. Fifty. Oh yeah, so that's four times the cost. Sure. Yeah, and it was shit. Yeah. Well, so, did you buy it from somebody that you knew? Or no, you know how friend? it is. You're touring with somebody, and somebody knows somebody, so they're gonna hook you up, or you're gonna get off stage, and somebody's gonna hand it to you because mm-hmm. you're working for uh, cheap, and they're doing you a favor. And then it turns out, you know, they gave you fucking Drano that you just put up your nose. So every time you're trying to purchase Coke in, in Scandinavia, it, it, it's it's not even comparable to what we get over here. No, not even close. Well, thank you, Mexico. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you, drug mules. Thanks for transporting them from Colombia to uh, via Mexico to here. Yeah, keep up the good work. So you never got robbed? I never, uh, you know what, I got ripped off actually on that You got ripped tour. off and you never got robbed. Well, here's how stupid we were. We bought some balls front well not balls what do you call them balloons mm-hmm. and they they took you know they put them in their mouth and they give them to you and this is in copenhagen because it was a sunday night and we went to a strip club there were like three of us and we all wanted to get fucked I, up. I i definitely wasn't that in that tour because, okay because i don't remember any strip club okay yeah and you were there in sweden and finland right i was in denmark too but oh uh, yeah 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 okay well this is when we were staying at that hotel in copenhagen mm-hmm. and we uh went down the street yeah sunday and we were going to go get some Coke, and there were three of us, and we bought four bags. Mm-hmm. And then we came back to the hotel, and we opened them up, and they were just, they were, they were plastic, uh, little plastic bags, but inside there was just paper in them. Oh. So, yeah, so we, there were four bags. We opened one up, found the paper, and we like, we just got fucked. And then sure enough, the next day, we opened up the other three, and there's Coke in three of them. So we got kind of fucked. Yeah. But the first one we opened it was all paper, so we didn't even get high that Wait, night. Wait, so did you buy from black Danish guy? Yeah, no, it was. Uh, so I white dude. I think it was a white guy in a club. We went to. I remember we had to go to a gay bar because it was Sunday. <laughs> no, it right. was Sunday night, and that was right. the only place we could go. Of course. To. Yeah, and uh, they gave us four bags, and one with the first one we opened up, it was shit. It was paper, so we thought it was all crap. And then the next day, we find out. That it was real coke in the three of them. Remember the place in Copenhagen? Is it Christiania? Well, yeah, that's Christiania. Christiana. They 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 only sell hash. Is that the deal? They don't sell hard stuff, do they? No, I think they do. I think it's just kind of like uh, an open. Well, because one of the sh- for those of you who never been to Copenhagen, there is a district where not yeah. necessarily uh, it's like District Nine. It's like a ghetto from district. the Holocaust, or you yeah. know, they're like whatever happens, happens. And they're kind of that's hippie. a bad analogy, by the way. They're hippie-ish and they're very nice, but you, yeah, the one of the street in that district is Pusher Street, right? Where people come up, hippies will come up and try to sell drugs, which which is fine. But I, I I didn't know they were selling fucking coke and shit. So oh yeah, I'm pretty sure that wasn't an issue to find. Okay, so I know we didn't go down there because mm-hmm. I think it was late and we were like, let's not push our luck. Let's just go to this strip club and uh, where there was no stripper, by the way. There weren't even girls on the pole, and they charged us 20 bucks to get in. I remember being pissed off. Mm-hmm. I pulled out my American money, and I was like, can we get a woman on this fucking pole? Yeah. We just paid 20 bucks to get in here. Can we see something? I met a really nice uh, crack dealer 
downtown in LA not too long ago, very charismatic. He wasn't intrusive and he was trying to sell me crack. We were eating burritos though, so I don't want any crack. But he was just like, you look like the kind of guy that would probably like to party tonight and I have some of the best crack in town. I just never been approached that way by a drug dealer. They're normally really scummy, you know, and scary. But we didn't, we didn't get any. See, the problem is, you guys are such a clean cut. I mean, I, you know, I would never suspect you guys are using drugs or used Thank to use you. drugs. That's, that's, that's the misleading part, that the people who are functionally able well, to do. there's so many, different kinds of, so many different kinds of people that do do them that you don't know. I mean, teachers, lawyers, principals, doctors, people in my small hometown, I couldn't believe one night, were taking ecstasy and molly and all this stuff. Just, you know, they wanted to get down the once a year they party and predominantly, you know, members of, of these little towns. You'd be really surprised the people who do it. So Chris, <laughs> thanks. That's right. Thank you. But Chris, but Chris, so you're you're you haven't done anything. I mean, you just drink. You know alcohol. what? Uh, yeah, I drink. Um, I I, ha I think I had. Uh, I made a bet with Roger Rod of all people, you know, about like not doing coke, and I went like three months. Roger Rod, very funny comedian in Southern California. Yeah. Go ahead. The king of the black rooms. Uh, very white. Very white. In a very black room. In, yes. And yeah, he and I always make $5 wagers, so I bet him dinner for a month, and I, and I went one, and he doubled it down to six months. So I ended up making like three and a half months, and then uh, I just, you know, I had one small relapse over a chick, and I yeah. haven't looked back, and I just don't have the desire. Chris, I'm, I'm really glad, you know, like, like I said, I just think, it, it, to me, it's never been a moral issue. I, I always say right. it, it's a health issue, you oh, know? Of course. Yeah, and uh, I will, because I know for a fact, Telling somebody not to do it is never going to work. Right. So I'm, I'm but you're also talking to somebody. I mean, I work out six days a week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that my age is catching up to me and I want to, you know, live not as long as I can, but as, as long as I have my, my faculties. Quality of life, sure. Exactly. Absolutely. And yeah. I know the only way to reverse the aging process, or not reverse it, but halt it, is through exercise. Sure. So, you know, I'm committed to that six days a week. And not getting, I mean, getting fat is not a... Uh, a, a big factor too. No, yeah, yeah. but I mean, yeah. I, I was putting on some pounds when I wasn't when I because here's the thing: after you do coke, people always think, oh, people who do coke are so skinny because they never eat. Well, yeah, they also don't get out of bed all day. Sure. So you know, I I put on some pounds and I was like, oh, this feels like well, shit. Well, you look like you're you're in pretty good fucking Thanks, shape. Thanks, right I've had two people tell me that this week, so I appreciate that. So, so you never you never use crack. Um. I know I freebased. No, I made crack here once. Uh, Have you ever been to a crack house? No, God, no. I've smoked crack probably once. I'm not saying. I'm not saying this. No, all honestly, seriously, because no. And we were talking about this the other day. I think there's some statistic that when you snort coke, you're only absorbing like 20 percent of it. But for for cokeheads, it's the ritual of doing it. It's mm. the setting up the line, the chopping it up, sure. the rolling up the dollar bill. The visualization, I have this much left, you know. Sure. I was always into that. But, uh, yeah, I think I was, I, I smoked crack once, and I, I probably took a hit. And it, a guy it, made it, it in front of me, so I wouldn't call it crack. I'd call it him trying to make our cocaine is it, last. Is it a noticeably different? No, I didn't notice anything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, the best way somebody described crack to me was doing a whip hit when you, you know, nitrous, and it's that sure. wah, 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 wah. And it's like that, but for five minutes. But gotcha. I don't think it's that intense. But again, I only smoked it twice, and I think I was such a pussy 
that I was like, oh my God, I'm sucking crack. I don't want to do this. So I'm just going to like ha- take a small hit, you know? So I, I've i had problems in my early 20s and uh, with? with alcohol. And I cut myself driving wrong uh direction the highway one time right like 1 32 in the morning olympia washington i just realized i got fucking problems right you know? and this is something you learn as an asian person from your pa- asians abuse alcohol a lot you no know? shit they don't know how to deal so with all that problems. suntory whiskey they suck down they, that's true they, they drink the shit out of that yeah. stuff like that so um we all deal problems differently and um most comedians stereotypically have difficult or really weird childhood and right and there's that somebody i never know who gave me the quote but it's the best way i describe who i am or what comedy is to people mm-hmm. the line is you're either actively an alcoholic or you're in recovery mm-hmm. but you're there's very rare that you find anybody in this business sure that is completely sober doesn't have any issues with drugs or alcohol sure. and as happy as can be you're either in your recovery or you're in your disease and i don't want to say disease because i don't believe alcoholism is a disease right but that's what they say in aa but that's the idea and i and i would say there's probably what would you think maybe 10 percent of comedians aren't fucking uh drug addicts or in recovery and they're not funny <laughs> That's kind of true. Um, last couple of years, I cut, well, last year and a half or so, I, I cut myself like really, really moody, but enjoying drinking alcohol again. You know, right. and uh, I've been trying to keep myself casual drinker. Um, I drink. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what it is like when you're feeling sad and moody, and when you're drinking alcohol, it makes it worse. But it's. What is it? It's a depressant, but it makes you feel better. I, that's that's what I've it never feels... understood about alcohol. Is they say it's a depressant, but man, I've just had a couple beers now, and I got to be honest, I'm a little more optimistic than I was before. Well, that's called uh, you also had a hangover and you're evening out from last night's coke bender and so you're drug. Just stay constantly drunk. Yes. Right. Yes. Right it into the ground. So, Chris, do you, do you mind talking? Because the last couple of years, you, you have. Like well, you, can you, I go you, back to you real quick? Because mm-hmm. I wanted, I hate to interrupt. But you were just saying that you feel like you're going back into it. Are you drinking hard alcohol? No, no, not, not, not hard, but... Because um, as long as I've known there, you... There, there has been a period where I completely avoided alcohol. And I, yeah. I, I'm not real... I just don't think it's realistic to completely cut something off. Right. I just thought I want to minimize how much I drink. But just casually have a drink here and there so I'll be normal. That's how you've always been, though. I yeah. mean, I've known you... You know, for the years I've known you, it's always like, Hey, Yoshi, you want a beer? And you're like, yeah, I'll have a beer. And you'll have one beer, and then that's it. You know, so are but, you saying that you've gone more into like, oh, I'm having three or four, or I'm chasing it with a shot of whiskey now? Um, do you not want to talk about this? No, no, I don't. I don't, I, don't talk, I don't remember uh, when 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 it was really bad. I remember like beating somebody up really bad. Next morning, I find out, you know. And who I was else ha- have you beaten up that I don't know about? I used to hang out uh, in a. Um, Early to mid '90s, I was thinking about a lot of uh, you know Asian Japanese Asian kids, but as you know, I'm six foot one. Yeah. I have unfair advantage over a lot of them. So uh, I'll be drinking. I'll give you an example. One time I was drinking pretty hard, and this guy said something to my very close friend about something about his family. So um, we waited. <laughs> my friend, I'm not gonna say his name. He's a Japanese guy. We waited until everybody leave, and then um, um, basically. We dragged that kid out of the, his room, and I was instructing my friend how I want him to beat this kid up. And uh, you know, I told him you were you were like a kingpin. 
you were like, take care well, of I mean, it I for thought, me. I thought it was funny, you know. It's, right. Um, so I did that, and or a couple other occasions when I was drunk, you know, I just find out next day I just beat, beat the shit out of someone. And one of the advantages. So you would you black out and forget about it, and then yeah. remember the next day? I I black out my because I don't black out. I've done that before. Um, yeah. I'll get up and like my oh my knuckles are all fucked up. Sure. I haven't done it in a while, but sure. um, and and one of the advantage of beating real traditional Asian kids, they will not report you to police. No, of course not. It's code of the samurai, bitch. <laughs> right? They have to go. They have to go kill themselves and commit harikari. If you fall fucking if you, exactly, you fall on your sword. You, they're, they're not rats. I will give you this. You slant eyes some credit on this. Do you have honor? And you have integrity. Well, they just—they just—they just won't do. It. Another thing is, even if if they call the cops, that won't prevent stop me from beat, beating them up. Right. They know they know that. So right. um, I didn't I didn't like it. This is like was this in Seattle? Yeah, early '90s to mid '90s. You know. Okay. And, um, I just got back from there. The city says hello to you. They missed you. Who? <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yes. yes. So. Um, we all deal with problems differently, and I, one of the I, I really have solved you. You, I know you joke around, and Dustin, you joke around, and I know we have a mutual friends. We all make a light of it, but we have a very soft spot for other comedians, especially when something bad happens. For there. sure, we. Sh I don't know what it is. It's maybe maybe brotherhood, sisterhood of just fucked up people. For sure. So, we we we're fucked up. Oh, at least I uh, we think some of us are fucked up, and um, um, it was a hard for me to hear some of the things that you went through last couple of years. Yeah, it was a little rough. So do you mind, because you mentioned something briefly about your brother, but let's talk about it in sequence, like what happened first with the... What I, know, oh, as far as deaths and dying? Yeah, in your family. Well, it wasn't just, yeah, I mean, the, the, the stuff that hurt me the most was the family stuff, but that was also a year a lot of comedians died. Mm -hmm. You know, you had Angelo Bowers, Patrice, you know. Sure. Was, there was a couple other comics that died in that period. Who sure. else? Mike De De Stefano died. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it was. I mean, I remember. And let's talk about those. Two. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, no, we'll I, talk about those three comedians, but let's talk about your family. Sure. And I just remember, like, counting up, like, the. And, and, I, and I don't know those guys as well as, you know, I know, like, my family members, obviously. But for me, it was, like, my brother passed, and he. Well, what, what was the circumstance? He overdosed accidentally. On, on what? On, uh, on painkillers. Okay. Because he had had knee surgery. Sure. And. Um, and then after that, um, my aunt murdered my uncle, and um, so it was a double. It was a double murder homicide, and uh, then my stepsister passed away of cancer. Sure. And, and this is like spent the last two years. Yeah, it was in two years, and then my yeah. grandmother died. Yeah. And then, um, and then it was just like all those other comics. So I think it felt a little bit more intense. So you, so let's start with your brother. So yeah. he, what, did you say he got in a car accident? Or? No, he, he passed away in his truck, but he parked at the beach, and he was in Santa Cruz. And uh, No, but what I'm, what I'm saying is how did he get hooked on the painkiller? Did, did some accident happen? Yeah, he, yeah. He, had a, he was an EMT, and he had a slip and fall at work, and he was walking around on bad... EMT stand, emergency technique? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, okay. Uh, he was walking around on this awful knee for mm. six months, and he was battling the insurance companies, trying to get them to cover... Sure. Uh, you know his surgery, and they kept denying him. Right. So, you because know they're scumbags. Yeah, because they're pieces of shit. So, you know, their solution was pill him out, pill him out, pill him out, and he just—I think he lost con 
control of what he could handle. Sure. Even though he was in intense amount of pain. And he just overdosed, you know? And it was accidental. Sure. He had his dog in the truck with him, and he loved that dog. So we know it was an accident. And uh, How old was he? He was 35. Jesus Six Christ. months older than I was. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's probably the hardest death I've ever had to experience. Mm-hmm. And my brother, my brother had a real, you know, tough life. And coincidentally, you know, the, the, the part that gives me comfort, and I've explained this to people, he was in a car accident when he was 16 years old sure. with his mother, and she died. And so he is, died. Is this your half brother then? No, my stepbrother. Okay, my dad, my mom married his dad when I was a year old. I see. And he was a year and a half. But we grew up together. Right. So, but he died 17 years to the date that his mom died, to the hour, and to the exact minute. Is that right? Yeah. That's what, uh, on the death certificate, that's what it comes out as. So, you know, I mean, I don't know what the odds of that being a coincidence are. It's probably pretty extreme. Sure. But. You know, it, it was a tough day for him. I'm sure he was probably missing his mother. But to have that kind of event happen, it's, you know, you got you to gotta start thinking about the bigger picture. Right. You know? And, and, and I, I know when you told me, we all joke around, but I know it was very tough. But yeah. then little after that, you told me about this murder, you know, like, so what? That was, um, where was it first? That was in Utah. Okay. That was uh, my mother. Um, she, uh, she's the middle child and right. my older, her older sister, my aunt, um, she ended up murdering her she, husband. She, exactly. And it was, uh, were you th- close to both of them? You know what? I, we, we, we were, I mean, we're all family. We, we always did family reunions and things sure. like that. In fact, we had a family reunion s- six months to it happening. And it, it was just, it was a desperate situation. It was about finances and money. And they were desperate. Which quite often is the cause of a yeah. lot of this. Yeah, and, and it was one of those things like it was after the 2008, you know, yeah. economic meltdown. And that was her last resort. And if I do this, you know, the insurance money will pay off the debts. Did, did, they, did they have kids? Oh, yeah. Four of them. And, and 16 grandchildren. You know, and they were very successful people for years on their own, you know, concrete company in, in Utah. This and unfortunate probably in 2008 with financial crisis they yeah. lost a lot of money yep. they feel probably obligated and embarrassed right. right and they did she probably saw no way out right exactly but, but why desperation killed her husband though because i don't think he knew the financial issues i think she handled all the money i don't think he knew where they were at so so when you guys heard about this you didn't you didn't you, you did i was you, on the way back from sweden or from denmark sure. finland when i heard it i was in new york city so Just later on, you had to piece together because you probably didn't know about the financial problems, right? No, we all, we all. I mean, there was a note left behind, so we oh, knew what it was about. Jesus. Yeah. How how are you close with your kids? I'm extremely close. Those are my cousins, and we're all family, and we just had our family reunion this year. How how are they doing? You know what? I think they're doing good, and I think I don't know if you ever get over something like that. No, you don't. You know, because I certainly won't ever get over a couple of deaths that I've experienced in my life. Yeah, but. I think they're all doing doing remarkably well considering the circumstances. But I mean, there were there were their children's children where it was like we can't tell them what happened. They're too old, mm-hmm. or like my grandmother, or too young. My grandmother, she's too old. What are we going to tell her? You know. So it it, it was hard, um, but you know, I think everybody's accepted it now. It's been two years. It was two years just in September. I see. But. Uh, you know, that, that's shit, shit you hear about where you're like, this is NBC Dateline mm-hmm. or 48 Hours Hard Evidence, you know, or Law and Order shit. But when it happened to your family, you, you're just like... Stunned. <laughs> yeah, shock. Because sometimes I wonder, like, 
when I, I of course suicide runs in my family I have friends right. who did it and I, I wonder like it's that like that scene from Usual Suspect at the end like soon as Kaiser Sose walked out of there you look all, all the evidence and you, you should know but like together, yeah. I don't I don't notice until I really think hard later on after it was too late by then you know right um, I don't think anybody ever sees the suicides coming it's always that guy who was just like you know I heard one the other day yeah he just watched his his Giants you know win a big playoff game and the next day he hangs himself you know we don't we never see that shit coming yeah People, my, my best friend my best friend told me he was gonna do it so we, and he did he was always a man of his word and he said I'm gonna do it and sure enough he did it oh good job for you for halting that little pro- process huh <laughs> guess you're out at the bar drinking that night <laughs> so um and this this is the part where I I'm always astonished by um, non-Asian people because Asian people just pretend like it didn't happen. They don't want to talk oh, about it. The masters of denial, right? They just don't want to talk about it. And yeah. I, I, I've had conversation with my brother about my cousin's suicide, my dad's suicide, but the rest of the family, they don't want to talk about it. They just pretend like that. Didn't. So, do you guys, do, you must talk to your we family. We do talk right? about yeah. it. Yeah. You have to. We definitely do. Because we all realize that you know, and I, I just speak on my behalf, on my mom, you know, my part. I mean, with my mom, you know, it's like, if we don't talk about this, we're just going to destroy ourselves. Sure. So let's get it out there. I can't speak for my cousins or, you know, their kids, but I'm sure that there's going to be some therapy to deal with a lot of that stuff, you know, if if they think it's needed, you know. This isn't, you know... Japan in the 18th century. Right. You know, this is America. No, this is Japan 2013. They don't right. talk about <laughs> Same it. Same fucking they, they, thing. They don't talk shit, you know. Right. Um, yeah, the so, strong silent type if there ever was one. So so this murder-suicide, did what else happen after that? Well, then my stepsister, went, she battled breast cancer for years. and uh, How old was she? She was she? 46. God. And she was an amazing person. It's always the good ones that go, you know. It's so true. It's just like the same reason drunk drivers survive. survive. Yeah. And victims die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And she battled. I mean, she just battled it for years. What was the last conversation with her was like? Do you remember? Um, You know what? It's weird you mentioned that because I just switched my phone over today. Yeah. Or last week. And I, I had my stepsisters and my brother's last messages on my phone. Do you still have it? Uh, no, because I transferred the phone over and I looked in there today because I wanted. To, you, sometimes you go back and listen to them, sure. and they were gone. And I'm like, you fucking motherfuckers. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. I think what I'm gonna do is go to AT and T and say, Hey, can I get these back? Because I, I I like to hear them every now and then. Sure. But I made the realization, even if I don't, maybe I'm not supposed to hear them again. Yeah. You know, it'd be nice. So, yeah. I can't, I mean, I can recall my brothers. My brother was, brother, just doing bills, Sunday, give me a call, and... Uh, that was the last... Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. a week before he died, you know? And we'd pretty, it was weird, because we didn't talk the last week, and we, we would talk at least twice a week. Sure. So, I think, I don't know, maybe he knew. So, then your grandmother passed away, and... Where are you now? I mean, how, how are you doing? Is anybody else dead? <laughs> About to die? How are you? How are you doing? I mean, I'm good. Like I said, man, um, I feel like uh, I'm I'm in the sharpest place, comedy wise. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me, I'm gonna sneeze. <coughs> um, 
I just got back from Nice Run. Sure. Um, had some amazing sets. Um, really got pissed off because I had one of those sets that you do, and you're like, I can't wait to get off stage and listen to my re- recording. Right. And this new fucking iPhone didn't record, didn't record it. it. But it was one. I call them vacation sets. When you're on stage, you're not. You haven't done a lick of your material, right? Because it's maybe all crowd work or whatever. And you get off, and you're like, okay, this is gonna be great because I'm gonna have all these new jumping off points for new material, and it was all gone. So a guy, one of one of my fans showed up. I only have 16 of them, by the way. That's who I'm dedicating my album to. Uh, he he Facebooked me and he said I recorded part of that set, so I'll send you an MP3 file. So I'm looking forward to hearing it, but. Who knows if he'll get around to sending it? He's in Vancouver, but he's a good dude. So, um, I, I, you know, you, you sound great. You look Thanks, great. Man. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I was a little worried for you because I, I think your last time we had a serious conversation, you're maybe serious about getting getting the fuck out of L.A. Yeah. Like all my friends are getting out of here. And, right. You know, it's it's not um for for every major success store in LA there's hundreds of thousands of Give people ups. who you know it's throwing um, the towel yeah and i don't i'm not one of those to blame the city i think it's great that you could have a dream and people try it and come here but unfortunately it's one of those things not everyone's going to you know achieve their dreams there's always know? so many jobs sure and um i'm i'm glad you're still here and um you know you got you're welcome to stay here anytime if you need to stay tonight you can take the bedroom i haven't been in there in a week so i sleep out here Dustin's on the couch. So seriously, if you need a place to stay, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Um, I, um, I've had, you know, I've had. Look, my, my attitude is like, even if I don't have a job, I we all make priorities, right? Right. Like, so, could I have found a place to stay in one place for a long time? Yes, but that would prevent me from traveling overseas. Sure, and experiencing that, life. Yeah, things that it really matters to me. So I made a hard decision to live the way I do but at the same time I was able to travel a bunch of different places yeah. and then met well bunch of and I, I I envy you for that I mean it's wanderlust and it's taking a huge risk and walking outside of your comfort zone and to be honest I can't do it I got to be able to shit shave and shower at a moment's notice and that's usually three times a day at least a shower for me and then I live like an animal because there's times like I don't know. I panic sometimes. Like, where am I going to stay tomorrow? You know. Yeah, and, I uh, remember that was one of my biggest fears on the road. I was in Canada one night with a comedian, mm-hmm. and we're doing coke in some after-hours place yeah. at three in the morning. And I look at him. I'm like, "Do you know where we're staying tonight?" Yeah. And he's like, "I sure don't." Yeah. You know. And then I think we ended up sleeping in a living room uh, above a bar. Yeah. You know, but with dog shit all over the floor. You know, but it was like you've got to be able to embrace that kind of you know wanderlust if you will yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna live on the edge and experience life and i can do it at times but i love coming home and knowing that fucking flat screen's there yeah and i can watch the fucking baseball game for sure and you know uh have a woman over and let her sleep in my bed it's I've, I've been uh, I lost my job 20 and a 20 and a half months ago right and I think a good two months I had to sleep my car right not two days in a row right but, but overall know, overall and I've been to Afghanistan twice Middle East twice Europe twice and um, I visited so many different states and I just figure there's some things I'm not going to compromise that's not one of them so right. um, I'm, I'm 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 going to Sweden soon and um Depends on when I uh, uh, put this on uh, iTunes, but um, I'm going to go there for three months, and um, I'll be hanging out with my uh, our good friend, Adil. Oh, Adil, fuck it. Yeah, he's a Pakistani comic living in Sweden, so yeah. 
Um, Dustin knows that oh, yeah. raghead. Yep. Yep. So, you know, when I hang out with my normal friends with families and friends and have mortgages and homes and stuff, it, it looks pathetic, but it's fun. I know it's fun to hang out with you guys because we're comedians. You know, we, we are more tolerant of unorthodox lifestyles. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I'm not going to do it forever, though. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point I'm going to check out and, you know, probably get out of L.A. because, you know, it's, uh, there's nothing here for me. You know, I, I live here, but I, I don't get paid here. I only get paid when I leave town. Sure. And that's the myth about L.A., the, de- the delusion of, of L.A., or the illusion, I should say, because I go on the road and I meet comics that are like, sure. oh, I'd love to be in L.A. Well, tell me how great it is. I'm like, if I was your age, go to New York City. There's nothing in L.A. At least you get paid in New York. Sure. At least you can grow as a comic. But, the, but, but you know, uh, you, you, can, you can't assume, because l- l- probably many other listeners don't know you, but you had some success. Like, you were in a couple of TV shows. Sure. You did acting stuff. Sure. And uh, you're a great comic. And Thank uh, you. So were you. And <clears throat> it's it just, it's, it's very, L.A. is very seductive. Sure, but, I mean, I don't audition anymore. I haven't auditioned in two years. Mm-hmm. I don't have the desire to. You know, stand-up's my passion. And I just, you know, this is where my home is. And but stand-up is one of, it, it, we're in an re- interesting crossroad because you, you could have a career without having network backing you up with TV show movies. For you sure. Know? Look at Russell Peters. He became uh, our good friend, and he basically became famous because some kid put his special in uh, YouTube, and there he is, you right. know? So I, I, I'm still optimistic, even though I'm a lot older than you are. But What I'm are you, 42? Me? 44? I'm 44. You're 44. Yeah. I'm 38. I'm, I'm still traveling, doing shows. and. Uh, but you Asians they don't age. Well, You could pass for 35. Maybe, but you could definitely feel <laughs> the age. Right. So, Chris, th- thanks for talking about, you know, you, uh, this is one, one of the great things about unlike acting and other professions, comedians tend to be way above average when it comes to honesty. Sure. We're m- willing to talk about embarrassing subject matters and you know, hey, uh, I took an iPhone video of my asshole the other day because I thought I had a word on it. Of course, I could talk about being embarrassed. <laughs> Where is it? It's uh, being uploaded to ChrisDeff.com as we speak. Oh, okay. No, but you're right. And you know the rule. If it ain't truthful, it ain't funny. There's no bigger truism than that when it comes to comedy. For, for sure. And I'm, I'm glad that things are going well. And um, I think... I think only thing I would like to finish off at the, the at this moment is you know um, we, we our love for sports you know oh and, yeah uh, yeah yeah and um, is there any out of the major sports which one is your favorite sport the one we're watching right now baseball. even okay. though I hate the team on the or that we're looking at baseball is the greatest game ever invented without sure. a doubt so. When I do my podcast breakdown, the mm-hmm. number one country downloading my episodes are USA, uh-huh. Canada, um, Australia. No, no, UK and Australia. Okay. But number five is Sweden and on. Different places. So, you know, over 100 different countries. You right. Know. So, you, do you mind explaining to people who didn't grow up with baseball that, like, what, I mean, why? I'm, I'm curious. Why do you like? Why, I uh, like baseball, but it's not my favorite one. It's sure. probably number two or three right now. But sure. why, what, what is it about baseball that you like so much? Well, I can... Uh, Try to explain to somebody. You know what? Here's the deal. Here's what I would recommend doing. If you want just an oral history of the game Mm -hmm. and why it's the best thing ever invented, go Netflix, Ken Burns. Burns. Yeah. 
because there are so many articulate lines in that movie that'll just hit you like a, a ton of bricks, and you're like, "That's how I feel." Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it's the commentary in there. But I, it's I, I think if you're a non-Americans and never been here, but you want to get to feel how to be American, Ken Burns series about New York City and baseball. Yeah, well, Rick Burns did the New York City one. Oh, that's his brother. Yeah. I'm sorry. Kimber's Civil War and baseball and, and the Dust Bowl. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, this is another thing we share a lot. We love historical documentaries. Yeah. Well, I'm a history junkie. Yeah. And the and the war too. Yeah. The war. Ken Burns is the war. Yeah. I mean, it's brilliant. And you know he's doing another one on Vietnam right now, right? So uh, I didn't know that's about coming that out. But yeah, going back to the question, the original question: Why is baseball great? Um, it's the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just, I could just rip off Daniel Okrent's lines from you know, Ken Burns' baseball and yeah. just talk about the absence of action, pondering in action, things like that, or just just, uh, just the feel of it. It's, I, football's a violent game, and it's our most popular game in America. Sure. You know, and it, George Will said the same thing in baseball. He said... George Will is a very uh, famous yeah, conservative but, yeah, uh, columnist. And I'm not a conservative, but I love that line that he says about... Uh, uh, <laughs> Football combines the two worst things in America. It's violence punctuated by committee meetings. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what we were talking about this the other day, the reason baseball's so great. And again, this is from Ken Burns, the movie. I think it was Earl Weaver when he lost uh, the World Series, uh, when he was managing the Orioles. And I can't remember who he lost to. But uh, he said the the heartbreaking thing about this game is you have to give the, your opponent a chance. Right. They get their chance in the ninth inning just like you do. You can't run out the clock. No. So it's that fairness idea, you know. But go watch Ken Burns' baseball and if that doesn't do it and you don't have the attention span for that, then go watch The Natural, watch Bull Durham, great, watch Field of Dreams. fucking movies yeah. about baseball. Yeah. Sure. And we, we need a good baseball movie. We haven't had one in a while. So I, I do think, you know, like basketball and football, they're, they're very precise and clock where when it's in. Right. And baseball, because it's all about how many outs you get, you yeah. don't know how long the game's going to last. Yeah. It does have this wonderful timelessness exactly. to it. And I also like, when you watch basketball, you have to watch constantly because shit's moving fast. Right. I, I like the fact that you could sit down with your best friend or girlfriend, whoever it is. You could actually have a nice conversation while... Um, Having a casual watching right. the game. But see, that's the flip side where people give you the argument. It's boring. It's dull. It's an activity for me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I, I keep scoring games religiously, and people are like, how can you do this? And you know what? You're, you're the one of the first people I've ever seen within my friends do it. Because right. that, that's, for those of you who know, you don't, if you don't know what that is, in baseball, you, you have a piece of paper. Right. You, where you could keep track of how the game's been going, right? And uh, how many hits, how many outs, how many strikes, how many strikes balls, yes. anything you want. But stop! I remember as a kid, I only saw really old people do it. You're the yeah. youngest guy ever to do it. I've always done it. <laughs> I've so always funny. done it. The only time I have a, tr- a hard time doing it is mm-hmm. a playoff game where you're standing and it's so intense. Sure. And the, you know what are you laughing at? <laughs> Go ahead, Dustin. He's the only one who does that. He's also the only friend that I have that I opened up a Charles Bukowski book in his bookshelf, and there was a horse betting sheet, and it had blood on it. <laughs> I do like going to the track. Uh, but going back to the, the baseball thing, uh, keeping score keeps you involved in the game. I like that aspect. Mm-hmm. And it's also something that everybody does individually. Sure. There's no wrong way to score a baseball game. I mean, obviously, there's a 6-4-3, which is, you know, a double play from the shortstop to the second baseman to the sure. third, first baseman. But 
there's so many different ways you can score. Yeah. And I like that. And then I pull out my scorecard and I remember where I was 20 years ago and who I was sitting with. So I don't get that from a football game. I don't get that, you know, yeah. that, that, uh, that sense of memory. And I don't think there's anything more beautiful than an organ playing during maybe the eighth inning or the ninth yeah. inning at Dodger Stadium. You know, Vince Scully's the background of my, of my life. If, I, if I'm working, whatever, I will put Vin on. And I'm a Yankee fan. Is, isn't he unbelievable? He's, I mean, he'll say, Can you explain to that non-Americans listening to who he is? Because it, it's He's announced for Los Angeles Dodgers. been doing sure. it for over... 50 years, over 60 years. He's been doing it since day one when they moved from Brooklyn he was Dodgers actually, to he LA. He actually started with Red Barber in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And I think he was 19 when he got the job. Oh my and Vince, what is Vin, 80? So he's over at 60 years, 83 years. He does announcing by himself too. He's the only man in the business that does it all by himself. You know, usually you have a play-by-play -play and a color man. Yeah. He does it all. And it's just this laconic style of speaking. It's, it's relaxing. He's He's I don't unbelievably and I can amazing. listen to him if the mm -hmm. game's a 14 to 1 blowout. It doesn't matter. It's just the sound of his voice, the way he calls a game, the, 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 the metaphors that man comes up with, and the way he talks about the history of the game. He respects it. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who uh, can tell you how great Jackie Robinson is? If you watch the, you know, the Dodger broadcast, you know, every fourth game you'll get a Jackie Robinson story sure. in between the sixth and the seventh inning. And it's that kind of stuff that keeps the game alive because there's so much history in baseball. You know, it's our game. It's the oldest game. It's 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 really fun. And when, when you uh, watch Kim, I highly, we both highly recommend Kim Brown's yeah. baseball. It's, there's nine titles for nine innings. There's ten now. They it, came there's out ten with recently yeah. because they did like within the last two to three years. Yeah, the steroid and, era. Yeah, and... Um, uh, it, it's a slow watch if you don't know anything from baseball, but it, there is a big payoff because once you watch yeah. it, once you finish watching the all nine of them, you feel like this is why you feel it's not just baseball. You, it's, you, you're, you're right. It's the history of the United States. It's, it's not America, just baseball. Yeah. It's integration. You know, it's race. You know, it's segregation is what I meant to say. It's the it's the backdrop of the Vietnam War sure. and World War II, especially and what this country did. Oh, the great. Uh, Ted Williams, who played for Boston Red Sox, and he he fought during Korean War. I think yeah. I believe he was a pilot. So. Yeah, he was. And uh, I mean, if you want to come to America, if, if, uh, I'm a, I apologize if you're American listening right. because this is redundancy. Right. But if you're listening outside of this country, if you want to come here, you want to know more Americans. I couldn't recommend more watching that baseball one because I think yeah. sports is one of those things it's where literally you can connect with anyone. It's literally a tapestry mm -hmm. of the la of the 20th century. And it's using baseball to chronicle, you know, the uh, America, and yeah. that's why I think it's so genius. But Ken Burns does that with a lot of his films, but that one is the one that expands the entire 140, 150 years of sure. our country, and our country is only two hundred years old. So you really, well, yeah, a little over two. But the point is, you get you get most of our country, absolutely, and how it started and where it, where where we are now. So that's why I think it's a brilliant film. It, it's amazing, and um, it's been. Very difficult twelve years for me because I'm a Seattle Mariners fan. Yep, <laughs> it's just been. That's what happens when some Jap comes in and tries to buy a Major League Baseball team. What do you? What are they? Nintendo owners? It's 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 true because, um, you know I'm I'm a closet New York Yankee sympathizer because I will take you any day. Come to the dark side. And and it's bec it's because the commitment to winning and 
you know, you could say whatever you want to, but George Steinbrenner was one of the greatest owner of any sports team because he he demands anything less than winning a championship is a complete failure to that yeah. guy. And um, it, you know, sometimes it looks crazy, but to me, he is he ex- exemplify why America's great because there are characters like that, colorful guys yeah. who will relentlessly pursue winning and yeah. accomplishing stuff. At any cost, and yeah. uh, highly recommend watching it's, Timbers. He's, and, the, uh, he's the John Rockefeller of baseball. I sure, mean, it's the antitrust idea. He's ruthless. Of, yeah, but I mean, it's the idea of the gov- government stepping in. You know, just like baseball stepped in with him. You know, and it, it's a, it's amazing. It really is. And and one other thing I would like to do someday is hopefully drive to all of the stadiums. I think I've been to maybe forty percent of it. Right. I, I was in recently in Pittsburgh, and that's stadium. I heard Pittsburgh. everybody says it's the most beautiful stadium. It's in beautiful, right man. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, I the only two that are on my absolute list are the big ones like Fenway and Wrigley. Those are the only two that I'm dying to go to that I've never been to. And there's tendency in sports movement in America where they want to tear down old buildings and build a new stadium. But yeah. the, but those two stadiums, one in Boston, one in Chicago, it's it, they are spectacular, yeah. absolutely beautiful. But. Um, Chris, I know you, you have to go. Dustin, you have to go. So um, um, thanks for doing it. But one, one more thing. Tell, tell everyone your Twitter account. Oh, the Twitter is Chris Neff Comedy. That's Chris with a C. Neff, N-E-F-F uh, Comedy. Dot, uh, Chris Neff Comedy. And the website is chrisneff.com. And the new album is uh, Curse of the Drinking Class coming out November 9th. And if you're a comedian you mm. listen to this, Feel free to shoot me an email, and I'll send you a free download code. You just have to be honest in the fact that you are a comedian or an aspiring comedian, and you can have it for free. And all you have to do in return is write a review and tell me if it's good or shit. I don't care. But do that for me if I'm going to do that for you. And Chris... I'm I'm glad you're you're in a better path right now. Thanks, uh, man. You, you know it, it's it's been a tough couple of years for you, and I'm glad you're healthier, mentally in the right place, working really hard. It's a bad time to say we're about to go get drunk as soon as we stop this <laughs> podcast. Drinking's fine as long right. as you're, you're not drinking driving. But be- before I stop, I also want to give Dustin a chance. Dustin, um, what what's your Twitter account? Where? Um, oh, I don't know if I do that. Oh, you don't do? Okay, I do think you, it's Dustin Torres four. He's not really a Twitter guy. Do you have a Facebook? Yeah, it's just my name. And I think I do YouTube. So it's Facebook.com slash... Dustin Torres. T-O-R-R-E-S. That's okay. it. Okay. Um, are you going any tour soon? or? Um, no, I'm just doing some shows around here and trying to, you know, get on the road. Yeah. Some little indie films. Are you trying to cut down on coke and stuff? Yeah, man. We I'm everyone's not trying, I'm not, everyone's I'm not trying tr- to be funny about it. I'm no, no, it's no. no you, you brought up fr- a good. You brought up a good I point. I prefer about my friends don't do coke. You brought you brought up a good point about making light of it because we do, but it is just it's around. Yeah, and it's just it's it can be very sad. Yeah, and but for comics, it's just it's just kind of like oh hey, what's going on? Yeah, I'll take one. It's just kind of a you know it's like handing somebody a beer. It's just I've since doing comedy and, and being in Hollywood, it's just become this thing where it's not even a big deal anymore it just happens but so many entertainers i mean always do drugs it's not like well you know what, what whatever it is i i hope uh, you cut down on it or maybe not do it all together because uh, I, I i would hate to hear one of you guys in a paper or something they just found your dead body in the you hotel the paper would report us <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I okay. appreciate you if you were saying that the paper is going to talk about I don't, wanna, about I don't us. want to hear on the Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even tweet, Josh. Jeez. No, no, others, others hearing about uh, that uh, tragic death of Dustin and uh, Chris. 
Well, guys, th thanks for doing it. And uh, Dustin, I I'll try to another time just maybe just get you on the show. But uh, yeah. Chris, congrats, congratulations with your album. I'm, I'm glad you're doing Thanks, that. Thanks, buddy. I, I hope you guys have a chance to maybe even visit me in Sweden. Uh, I'll be there until February. You and, know what? Uh, Who knows? Yeah. And um, you know what we should do is we should do another one of those East Coast tours that we did um, maybe next summer. Our, our, our good friend Tom yeah. uh, Lewis. Tom uh, Lewis. We'll give him a shout-out. Yeah. I And not only that, we could hit the Boston uh, scene, and mm -hmm. we could finally go to Fenway. I, I will, I, 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 I've been to Fenway in so far just walking around but yeah. never watched the game there so I, let's I, go I, I, I would love to do it so um, everyone thanks for listening to this please support uh, Dustin Torres and Chris Neff especially Chris's album coming up and uh, once again I dedicate this particular episode to Camillo Cinema in St. Helena Napa Valley and uh, uh, just say hello to Kathy because uh, wonderful movie theater. It's beautiful. She actually talked to people when uh, finished the movie, and um, she has prominent people such as Robert Redford and Francis Ford Coppola premiering their movies all the time there. So please support her. And uh, everyone, thanks for listening to the show. And uh, please buy my T-shirt at yoshiden.com to support the show. <laughs> all right, guys, thanks for listening to the show, and uh, thanks, Chris and Dustin. Thank you. Thanks. All right, bye.